Democrats are are like predatory animals. They don't think two and three steps ahead. They, they want to know where the next bloody piece of meat is. They're, these people are not playing the long game. What is the short game? What short-term benefit does, does the Bidenist occupational government get from letting 8 million refuge, so-called refugees in, thousands of whom we now know are from Middle Eastern countries, Muslim countries, Unchecked, unvetted. We have no idea who they are, where they are, what they're doing. They were letting in thousands of military-aged men from Muslim countries and spreading them all over the country. Why? My theory, my conclusion is this is the next army of political police, of political thugs, whom the Democrats will send out onto the streets to riot, to burn, to threaten, to intimidate, to pillage the next time it suits their political advantage. Welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show. They say it's a thin line between love and hate, but we're working every day to thicken that line, or at least uh, make it a double or triple line. Uh, now, here's your line-jumping host, Eric Metaxas. Hey there, folks. Welcome to Wednesday, October 11th. Um, we have John Zmirak right here. John, you're right here. Hey, Eric. Uh, John Zmirak, you uh, always have a lot to talk about. What in the world should we talk about first? Well, I have a new piece up at stream.org that I hope everybody looks at. The title is The Left's Favorite Rioters, Black Lives Matter, Back Moss's Slaughter. Are we next? Okay. These are always long titles, essay, essay-like. Um you're not joking. I saw I saw the article, uh, read most of it, and I read other news on the subject. Yeah, the BLM organization. Now, remember, folks, when all everybody in the evangelical world was saying, "Oh, BLM, BLM, put the black, you know, uh, square on your social media, show support." Uh, BLM is a radical Marxist organization. That's right. They hate the black family. They exist to destroy the black family. They exist to bring Marxism, uh, atheist Marxism, you know, to a to a community near you. Is it any surprise that they are standing with Hamas? Now, you know, I, when you call Hamas terrorists, it's almost too nice. They're like satanic. They are absolutely satanic. The God they worship is Satan. They kill children. They kill women. They kill old people. They do all these things. And then, unlike the Nazis, they they film it and they broadcast it. This is also, as evil as it gets. And, and you just said, and that's what your article is about, that BLM supports Hamas. Yes, they actually, the Chicago chapter posted a meme that showed a Palestinian terrorist on a paraglider with a Palestinian flag. Now, those are the people who flew into the music festival and slaughtered the young people who were dancing at a rave. So Black Lives Matter endorses the slaughter of young people 
who were at a peace festival dancing in the daytime. Okay, this is, there's no hyperbole. There's no hyperbole. What you just said is 100% true. And here we are. The now, forces of evil are, are openly evil. They are siding in this way very publicly with, with, with what is happening. And, you know, uh, I, I wonder if the evangelical churches, the pastors that carried water for BLM a couple of years ago, if they will repent, I wonder. Well, um, our friend Megan Basham is doing a marvelous expose about how the staff at Christianity Today give exclusively to far left pro-abortion Democrats. Dozens of political contributions by the highest people at Christianity Today, all to pro-abortion Democrats and organizations like Act Blue, which advocate for partial birth abortion and gay marriage and transgender. Say this clearly. Christianity Today. Staffers and top editors donate exclusively to left-wing Democrats. Okay. Um, Now, again, let's define the word exclusively because this is true. Megan could find... We're not saying that 75% of their money goes to pro-abortion Democrats. No. 100% of their political contributions. This is the leader's... At Christianity Today, this is documented. The article, if it's not out today, it will be out tomorrow. Tomorrow, in hour one of this show, I will have Megan Basham on. Oh, okay, good. All right. She is the I one who that. wrote the article. Yeah. But I have made public statements that Christianity Today has gone over to the dark side. Well, I know that that's true. But now we have specific details about how the leadership of Christianity Today donates not just to pro-abortion, pro-LGBTQ rights organizations, but does that exclusively, does not give one dime, uh, even to to rhinos. That is as big news as it gets. It's one thing for Russell Moore to be the editor-in-chief who leans dramatically leftward, but to now know that the political contributions of people who are working in news, uh, in editorial at Christianity Today, have gone exclusively, unbelievable to say this, to pro-abortion candidates, to, to Democratic candidates. I, I, There's certain things that you just almost can't believe. Like in, in a normal world, if they wanted to do something like that, they'd say, well, we should, you know, we should give a little bit to Republicans also, just in case. But no. All right. So. It's time to unpack this, okay? We've laid out the shocking facts. Um, The organization that corporations were funneling billions of dollars to, that was marching through our streets, terrorizing our cities, joining with Antifa to loot neighborhoods and take over neighborhoods that happened in Seattle, uh, where they just basically seceded from the union and formed a little Marxist statelet in the middle of the city. And the mayor let it happen, call it a summer of love, even though people were walking around with automatic weapons and raping each other. Uh, This is what the Democrats enabled. This is what the Democrats controlled. I want to remind people, and in my piece at stream.org, I document this. Kamala Harris praised these riots, said they won't stop and they shouldn't stop. 
She bailed out rioters who had attempted arson of courthouses and police cars. Her or, or her police, the police in blue run cities let these people run rampant. Uh, no charges were filed against virtually any of these rioters. And now in blue cities, judges are giving settlements to the rioters, apologizing for the police who tried to stop them from looting the cities. Well, we'll be right back, folks, talking to John Zmirak. Very important stuff. Stick around. Uh, but right now we're talking about <clears throat> some really dark stuff. Okay, so. You have an article at stream.org uh, and you've been talking about it. Keep going. Right. The title for everybody is The Left's Favorite Rioters, Black Lives Matter, Back Hamas's Slaughter. Are we next? So the Democrat. let's remember that the Democrats didn't just support the BLM riots, the Antifa riots that took over America's cities. It's pretty clear they controlled them, that they turned them on and off like a water tap, like a spigot, because while it was necessary to undermine Donald Trump and make it seem like the country was descending into chaos and there's nothing he could do about it, the riots ran free right up to the edge of the Democratic National Convention. And at that convention, I want to remind people that Michelle Obama, who I consider America's Winnie Mandela, uh, remember Winnie Mandela, who was urging that people be necklaced with burning tires? Michelle Obama is America's Winnie Mandela. At the Democratic National Convention, she went on television and said the following thing. And this is really shocking, but I have to remind people this is documented. If you take, this is a quote from Michelle Obama. If you take one thing from my words tonight, it is this. If you think things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can. And they will if we don't make a change in this election. If we have any hope of ending this chaos, we have got to vote for Joe Biden like our lives depend on it, unquote. That is exactly the same as if some guy from Newark, New Jersey named Vinny comes into your store and says, a oh, really nice uh, jewelry store you got here. It will be a terrible, terrible shame if something were to happen to it. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, maybe some private security from some of the, the fellas here in the neighborhood could uh, help prevent a terrible tragedy such as a fire in which everybody died or all your stuff was taken by people waving Black Lives Matter flags, you know, and just saying these things, they happen. Hey, it's a weird, crazy kind of world we live in, isn't it? John, look, you've talked about this on the program before. Ladies and gentlemen, this is true. Michelle Obama said this, said these things. And, and keep in mind, uh, even though she threatened the world that if you don't vote for Joe Biden, things are going to get worse. Not enough people voted for Joe Biden. So they had to steal the election anyway. These people are thugs. They are Marxists. They do not believe in free and open and fair elections. They don't believe in the rule of law. They believe in power. And we're now seeing it manifested itself because when you talk about BLM, this Marxist organization of thugs that fooled a lot of guilty, white, foolish people, many of them some kind of evangelical Christians, into donating money to them, these people are now supporting Hamas. That is where we are in America. 
but I'm not finished with the bad news, Eric. So given that the Democrats used Black Lives Matter as a political militia to control the streets of American cities and terrorize their political opponents, um, and if people try to defend themselves like Kyle Rittenhouse or Jake Gardner, God rest his soul, they were prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Okay, you defend yourself, we will prosecute you. Our guys beating you up will not be prosecuted. In fact, they're going to get settlements from judges apologizing because the police inconvenienced them. This is exactly what the Nazis did with the brown shirts in the 1930s. They got control of local towns. They, they had the mayor and the police in their pocket. The Nazi thugs would beat up the socialists, the Jews, the Catholics in the streets. And then any socialist Jew or Catholic who tried to defend himself against the Nazi thugs would be prosecuted and sent to prison. And the Nazi thugs would be given a slap on the wrist or a pat on the back. The term for this is a narco tyranny. Google a narco tyranny and you will find countless articles on this. I've written about it extensively. So let me tie all this up in a bow. Why did Joe Biden leave the border open for the last two and a half years, letting eight million people in who have no right to be here and no legitimate claim whatsoever to be refugees? Why? It didn't help him politically. It's politically unpopular. It's killing Democrats here in Texas. Those people can't vote. Presumably in 18 years, their anchor babies will be able to vote. But that's a that's a long term thinking for Democrats. Democrats are are like predatory animals. They don't think two and three steps ahead. They, they want to know where the next bloody piece of meat is. They're, these people are not playing the long game. What is the short game? What short term benefit does, does the Bidenist occupational government get? from letting 8 million so-called refugees in, thousands of whom we now know are from Middle Eastern countries, Muslim countries, unchecked, unvetted. We have no idea who they are, where they are, what they're doing. They were letting in thousands of military-aged men from Muslim countries and spreading them all over the country. Why? My theory, my conclusion is... This is the next army of political police, of political thugs, whom the Democrats will send out onto the streets to riot, to burn, to threaten, to intimidate, to pillage the next time it suits their political advantage. Remember, remember, they turned the George Floyd riots on and off like a water tap. Remember also, there was no reason for the George Floyd riots. The police who abused George Floyd, were immediately suspended, arrested, prosecuted, and the worst of them sent to prison. The system worked. It was working. Everyone knew it was working. The, the Democrats said, well, that's not good enough. We have to have riots in every major blue city in America. We have to defund the police. Why? The system was working. It's not like Derek Chauvin got a ticker tape parade down the streets of Birmingham, Alabama. He was put in prison in the city in the city where he committed his crime. The system worked. In, but the defunding of police resulted in a huge spike in crime rates. Lots of dead black people are, are in the morgue, were in the morgue because they defunded police in the name of the communist organization Black Lives Matter. So my theory is the reason Joe Biden left the southern border open was to bring in thousands more rioters for the next time the Democrats decide to turn America into a roiling sea of chaos the way they did during the 2020 election 
and then stopped it on a dime. It all stopped overnight. Suddenly, Antifa activists were not being flown from city to city and put up in three-star hotels, which was happening during the riots, but nobody looked into it. Whoever was paying for Antifa activists to stay in three-star hotels, whoever was flying these people around the country, posting their bail, making their court cases go away, whoever that is, was also behind letting tens of thousands of military-aged young Arab Muslim men into the country, and they're now running around. So the next time the Democrats, who, remember, have not renounced Black Lives Matter, have not denounced them for endorsing the Hamas attacks, the same Democrats who are telling Israel now, oh, don't react, don't be harsh, don't be mean, don't, don't use violence. So what are these people about? Thankfully, Black Lives Matter have overplayed their hand. They have told us what it's about. They, they, they're using the term decolonization. Decolonization, also the term, another term is post-colonial. Post-colonial studies was Barack Obama's focus in college, according to his memoir, which was ghostwritten by Marxist terrorist Bill Ayers. All of these things were on the public record. John McCain refused to talk about them. John McCain wouldn't show video of Obama's pastor, Jeremiah Wright, saying, God damn America. Jeremiah Wright, remember, is the guy who offered Obama, according to Obama's memoir, a way of saying he was a Christian. He could join this church, which was a Marxist church organized according to black liberation theology, which is communism. And it replaces the people of God with the working class and the black and the non-white minorities. They they replaced the church. Jesus came to topple hierarchies and establish worldwide socialism. That is the, the-, the theory of, of black liberation theology. The church that Obama attended for 20 years, where he was married, where his children were baptized. All of that was Jeremiah Wright. We're going to a break. Uh, we're going to continue this. This is unfortunately very important. It's also unfortunately true. Folks, please go to my website, ericmetaxas.com. Sign up for my newsletter so you can get video of this conversation and send it to your friends. We'll be right back. John, um, you're 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 painting a grim picture. But what's interesting is that things get clearer and clearer and clearer. In other right. words, a lot of this was muddy. Many people were confused. Uh, I was very confused for a long time. But it's become impossible um, at this point, if you're paying the slightest attention, to be confused. You have atheistic Marxist organizations that hate America, hate the founder's vision of America, hate the God uh, of the Bible, uh, and who are aligning themselves with very dark forces. Um, you know, when people, when we talk about atheism, we're really talking about something that's satanic. There is no such thing as atheism. Either you're worshiping the God of the Bible uh, or you're, you're helping the other guy. And in this case, uh, we're seeing it manifested. What happened, what Hamas was doing uh, and and does what they believe in is so manifestly wicked. We denounced it when the SS did it. But today we have BLM and others on the left 
supporting Hamas. It is mind blowing stuff. And John, you've got the details. Right. So the term these people use is decolonialization. And what that means is kill whitey. Kill whitey. I'm boiling it down to what it literally means. It means wipe out the colonists, wipe out the settlers. They call Israel a settler state. They claim that the Jews there are all invaders, that they should be driven into the sea. That is the rhetoric that Hamas uses. Black Lives Matter, which is still endorsed by all the leading Democrats, which Kamala Harris bailed the rioters out of prison, wants to wipe the Jews out. There are plenty. I wanna, in- I wanna, I wanna, before you continue, when you, when you talk about this, we talk about the Democrats like Kamala Harris, ostensibly the vice president, which is like insane. It's the yeah. cartoon version of America that we were living in now. <laughs> but, but this kind of giggling cipher uh, of a political figure, Kamala Harris, supports Black Lives Matter. Let that sink in. But then face the fact that many, many, many leading evangelical churches supported Black Lives Matter are unwilling to bring clarity on this issue. Are you going to one of those big churches? Has your pastor repented? Do you have pastors at that church that were all in on the George Floyd riots and all in donating money to BLM? Are you going to one of those churches? Because this is now we're seeing with greater and greater clarity what is happening. But are those people repenting? Are they finally seeing the reality of it? You know, if you repent, there's forgiveness. But yet you have to repent. You have to say, yeah, we got it wrong. Our heart was in the right place, but we got it wrong. Um, let's let's talk about why. Why is it that rich white people in Martha's Vineyard declare their town a sanctuary city? Sure, when the immigrants actually show up, they call the National Guard to have them move to a military base within 24 hours. But why do they even feel the need to pretend that they're a sanctuary city? Why do all these white kids at Harvard uh, who you know go to their parents' basements on Martha's Vineyard during vacation, why are they supporting a, a pro-Muslim Marxist organization? And the answer is is a surprising one. It is a marker of being upper class in America. It is a sign of social mobility. Um, I talk about white guilt is my favorite brand of sunscreen. And I smear it all over my skin in the hope I can pass for an upper class Episcopalian. Uh, White guilt sunscreen is something you use when you want to make it very clear that you are a member of the tribe, the citizens of international business class. You're one of the people that goes to Davos for TED Talks, or you at least want to be mistaken for them. You're one of the people who listens to NPR and reads The Atlantic and who someday hopes to get a cushy job at a place like Christianity Today or The Washington Post. You are part of America's elite class, and America's elite class has adopted this ideology. Um, this ideology, is, it's a way of seeming like noblesse oblige. Oh, we love the little dark people. We want to throw them trinkets. These terrible, terrible rednecks and, and racists, uh, they want to give them Bibles. They want to, they want to make them have more children. They want them to have guns. It's all so terribly tacky and low rent. Go back to your double wide trailer, Mr. Trump. 
orange man bad. I, I'm going to put on an Afro wig and hold up my fist in the Angela Davis in Marxist uh, salute. You, you, first of all, you, you've never done like two different characters on the program today. So first of all, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I on, can do more. Uh, on, on doing that. But I want to say that this is in the interest of full disclosure, folks. What John is describing, when I was at Yale, I drank this Kool-Aid. I myself aspire to everything John is talking about. Um, eventually, God pulled me out of that dumpster fire. But we need to understand how this works. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this very thing happening uh, among elites in this country. Don't go away. Welcome back. Talking to John Smirak, folks, I was just saying that um, what John just described, this upper class white guilt, uh, it, it really is something that, you know, I remember coming from a working class home, going to Yale University and kind of picking this up and thinking, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to think. I didn't buy it totally, but I was definitely open to it in a way that you, John, God bless you, were not at all. Well, Eric, Eric, I just want to point I want to draw people a picture when I encountered all these upper class white leftists. Um, my reaction was I started wearing stonewashed jeans, Def Leppard T-shirts and reading Soldier of Fortune magazine in the dining hall. And if people asked me what my career plan was, I said I wanted to be a mercenary and fight the communists in Africa. That was my way of trying desperately to fit in. <laughs> it's so funny. I just love that. I, I guess. But I just want to let people know that what you're describing I've lived this. I've lived this because I I didn't know uh, what to think. You know, as I said, I came from a working class home. Suddenly I'm at Yale University and I thought like, oh, this is the way you're supposed to think. And right. I I remember thinking, OK, uh, th- th- this is you know, I'm going to go with the crowd here. I'm going to go with the crowd. And that basically is the story of elites in America Today, You know, you read The New Yorker, you read The Atlantic, you read The New York Times, you read The Washington Post, you watch CNN or MSNBC, you virtue signal, you hate all the right people in the name of being against hate. That is what's happening. And then and you know, now you we know the Bohemian Grove and, and, and mud wrestle with David French and George Soros. That's basically what we're talking about that that's a world out there and it's an evangelicalism it's taken over christianity today. there we go that's right that's right the people of christianity today are baptists who want to be mistaken for episcopalians the people of the vatican are catholics who want to be mistaken for episcopalians and pope francis is doing this in a massive level in my own catholic church but uh, i think you had we already had jason jones on to talk about that and i will write my column about what's happening at the vatican right now and we can talk about it next time but um so what you're seeing is radical left marxists and muslims who are each trying to cynically exploit the other they each think the other is their useful idiot. The Marxists think that, oh, you know, Muslims with their desert religion, that will die. But it, but we'll use them as ground troops to destroy the West. The Muslims think, oh, these Marxist atheists, they, they will go nowhere. They have no children. We will replace them and we will have Islamic State. So we've got two groups of disgusting, cynical, 
hate-filled ideologues, each trying to exploit each other. It reminds me of the coalitions that formed the Nazi party. And that's how I want to encourage everyone to view what's happening in America. And your book, Letter to the American Church, is a perfect tool for this. The left is not using the playbook of of the communist parties in, in various countries in Europe because most of them failed. The left is constantly looking at the Nazi playbook and using that. The Nazi playbook, remember Antifa is an organization that goes back to the 1920s. It was controlled by the Soviet Communist Party, by Lenin and Stalin. And it has a continuous existence ever since. Imagine the Nazi SS or the Nazi brown shirt still existed to this day with a direct continuous connection to Hitler and Himmler and Ernst Röhm. That's Antifa. Antifa is a street fighting organization of thugs that lost to the Nazis in the 30s. And they studied their opponents. How did we lose? What did the Nazis do that let them win? And that's what we're going to do. That's what Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the Democrats who are in bed with them the evangelicals and Catholics who are in bed with them, that's what they're doing. A narco-tyranny, the police let your thugs beat up your political opposition, and they prosecute anybody like Jake Gardner or Kyle Rittenhouse who fights back. The January 6th protesters are being punished as if they were the terrorists. The actual terrorists who are linked to Hamas are running for office, running school boards, being a elected district attorneys with George Soros's help. That is what the Nazis did in the 30s. I've studied this in detail over many years. And that's what the left in America and the Swiss Republicans, the George Bush Republicans are letting them do it. They're focused on keeping control of the dying husk of the Republican Party. Um, I, I, I said this in my column at stream.org today. The Republican establishment, the rhinos, the people who opposed Matt Gates, the people who supported Kevin McCarthy, they think they are the Washington generals. That was the team of hapless white guys whose job it was to go out and lose gracefully every night to the Harlem Globetrotters. And once, once the Washington generals couldn't take it anymore and they actually won, they beat the Globetrotters once. There was a riot. They were attacked by the fans. They had to have the police escort them safely out of the building. They weren't supposed to beat the Globetrotters. That was the 2016 election. The Washington generals beat the Globetrotters once, and there were riots, and there was chaos, and they're going to make sure it never happens again if they have to put Donald Trump in prison and label all his supporters, half the country, domestic terrorists. The FBI just created a category of domestic extremists that basically describes every Trump voter, which is more than 70% of the Republican Party. If you are going to a church, ladies and gentlemen, that is not awake uh, to the things that John and I are discussing, you need to get out of that church. You are complicit, just as the Christians going to churches, ignoring what the Nazis were doing to the Jews, were complicit. I hope that I meet them in heaven, but I'll tell you right now, I don't expect them to have very big mansions in heaven. We're talking about God's judgment, that this is very real. This is happening right now. And there are tons of evangelical churches. We'll be talking tomorrow um, in hour one with Megan Basham about 
Christianity Today's complicity in this, but there are tons of churches, church leaders that are either being silent uh, or are encouraging their congregations along false lines. As you know, uh, Andy Stanley wrote a horrible, horrible book a year ago called Not In It to Win It, arguing precisely the opposite of what I say in Letter to the American Church. It's, it's a biblical mess. It's historically confused. But I'm sure uh, that a lot of well-meaning people thought, well, this sounds nice. I don't want to be divisive. I don't want to be political. I, I, I like what he's saying. That's where we are. Uh, and uh, Letter to the American Church is coming out as a documentary film in January. I've seen uh, a part of it. It is spectacular. The folks behind this have done an amazing job. We'll be right back with John Zmirak. Then the loud sound it seemed to fight Came back like a slow voice on a wave of fight Folks, welcome back. I'm not sure what we're running in hour two. I think I'm talking to my friend Larry Taunton, which is always a blast. Uh, in any event, a couple of minutes left with our friend John Zmirak. John, what else can we add to all of this? Well, Eric, I just got a great idea. You know, for the opening of your film of Letter to the American Church, I think we should produce little bottle, little jars of white gilt brand sunscreen. And they should be anybody who buys a ticket gets a free jar of white gilt sunscreen. And it blocks out all the rays of historical oppression and hierarchy. <laughs> and it helps you not get dark so you won't be mistaken for an indigenous palestinian like jesus jesus was an indigenous palestinian right. yeah he wasn't a jew he was an indigenous palestinian that's right he was homeless uh and uh he was a refugee he, he was a he was a refugee oppressed by the yeah. roman empire and it's our job to overthrow those empires and establish the soviet empire oops i wasn't supposed to say that last part Shh, never mind the whole communism thing. It's, it's so awkward. It's so crazy the way that keeps yeah. coming up. The whole well, gulag it, thing. You know, it, I, want, I I realize if you ever hear the term liberation theology or black liberation theology, and you think, ooh, is this is some big sophisticated system. I'm, I don't want to have to sit down and read this. These are all these books by German Jesuits with, using Marxist rhetoric. It's all very complicated. It's not. It's really simple. Liberation theology is the prosperity gospel plus gulags and death squads. The prosperity gospel at its worst is you pray to God and give money to a pastor and hope God will give you money back. You know, you send a check to the pastor and you hope you'll win the lottery. The pastor, if you do, we'll talk about it on the air. There are some people like that. It's used all the time as a stick to beat evangelical conservatives. But there are some people like that. Liberation theology is all about money and power and getting stuff in this world, just like the prosperity gospel. But instead of asking God to send you these things, you organize to steal them from your neighbor and put him in a work camp to starve along with his family. So that's the difference. It is a kind of can do. We're going to take the stuff. We're not going to wait for God. It's redistributionism with thuggery. In other words, this is basically uh, it's 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 the communist model redistribute wealth, which means steal it from people who've earned it 
or who have right. it somehow, take it from them and say, well, it doesn't really belong to you. It belongs to the state, which means it belongs to me because I'm now part of the state. Right, right. But that is all that these people are. are. So when Barack Obama joined this Black Liberation Theology Church in, in Chicago, it was like joining a pyramid scheme. We are going to organize to take stuff from other people, and we're going to slap a Christian label on it. That's all it is. There's nothing more sophisticated to it than that. And everywhere liberation theology spread, the church died. In Brazil, which used to be 99% Catholic, it's now less than 50% Catholic because the churches were all taken over by liberation theology, and the actual Christians stopped going, and they started founding Pentecostals churches. Thank God, I have to say, thank God, they got out of those communist churches run by dumb gay Jesuits from Germany who were turning Christianity into a Marxist cult. I want to remind people, Kamala Harris's political mentor was Willie Brown in San Francisco. Willie Brown was a close ally of the Reverend Jim Jones. Jim Jones's cult in Jonestown, Guiana, was a Marxist liberation theology organization. He and... uh, Harvey Milk, the gay activist, they were the two big get out the vote people for the Democratic Party in San Francisco. So Willie Brown mentors Kamala Harris is allied with Jim Jones. It's all part of the same bizarre. It's it's astonishing, folks. It's astonishing. John Zmirak, thank you for everything. We'll have you back uh, soon. Uh, folks, don't forget to go to metaxastalk.com. Uh, help the folks in Israel. That's what the website is right now. Go to metaxastalk.com. And of course, they need your help. Thank you.